Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. And we're back with Reality Check. I'm Tanya Pendleton, and it is Word on Democracy. We are live from the White House Complex, the Eisenhower Office Building, and it is fantastic to be here. And we are talking to folks who are making daily decisions that are impactful to you. And one of them is Annabella Asperis. She is the Director of Patient Engagement for the Cancer Moonshot. First of all, welcome to Reality Check. And secondly, please tell us what is the Cancer Moonshot and how it got started. Absolutely. First of all, Tanya, thank you so much for having us. We are very, very excited to speak to you and also to this wonderful audience. So the Cancer Moonshot is President Biden and First Lady Biden's White House-led effort to end cancer as we know it. Cancer touches almost every American family. I'm sure that folks listening, I'm sure that you have a personal connection to cancer. It means that we have to do better to make sure that outcomes are better in cancer and that no one feels alone when they're going through a cancer diagnosis. And I say that as someone who has also worked as a nurse. So I've been very close to families undergoing this journey. So what the Cancer Moonshot is, like I said, a national effort to end cancer as we know it. We have two bold, audacious, but we think achievable goals. The first is to decrease the death rate from cancer by at least 50% in the next 25 years, effectively um, decreasing death for 4 million people, we think, in that time. And the second goal is to support patients and families living with and surviving cancer today. Now, I have to ask, um, obviously, reducing fatalities from cancer is an amazing goal, but what about a cure for cancer? I know that there are numerous cancers, so I don't know if it's a cure overall or if it's figuring out uh, for various cancers what a cure might be. Are we working on anything as it relates to that in terms of research, in terms of funding research? Because I think ideally that's what people would like to see. Of course. Of course. And the short answer is yes. I think it might be helpful to just walk through the organization of our work, which is organized around five pillars. Um, These include decreasing the screening gap, understanding and addressing environmental and toxic exposures, preventing the impact of preventable cancers, delivering innovation through the pipeline to patients and communities, and supporting patients and caregivers. So within the innovation bucket is exactly what you're talking about, Tanya, that we need, we we have to get the cures that will bring us to our goals. So I would focus in on that one, but I would also call out the two other ones that will be highly effective to the goal of decreasing the death rate. And that is decreasing the screening gap um, and uh, decreasing the impact of preventable cancers. When we say decreasing the screening gap, we mean two things. First, jumpstarting the nearly 10 million screenings that were missed during the pandemic. And then number two, ensuring that there is equitable access to screening so that folks can get screened. And if if this is the case, catch cancer early when outcomes are the best. And then on the prevention side, this bucket includes all of our activities around nutrition as prevention, making sure that everyone is vaccinated for HPV, and then also our smoking cessation efforts. So you are absolutely right. And for families actively undergoing treatment, cure is exactly what we want. My understanding of cancer, and again, it's informed by years of bedside practice, some cancers aren't going to be preventable. 
And so how do we ensure that the healthcare system is doing a better job on the screening front for those cancers that don't have a cure, but still innovation and investing in research that will get us cures for the for the cancers that that will have them absolutely part of our work i think to a lot of people uh the federal government and the the things that they do seem kind of distant and far away what are the ways in which your work uh is directly impacting people that they know uh what is happening absolutely excited to answer that question i feel like i've said it eight times now but because i'm a nurse when patients have to engage in the healthcare system, that is when most folks learn that ours is a very fragmented, challenging healthcare system. It means that if you have someone in your corner who is helping to guide you through that system, you will have a better experience. We call those folks who guide you through the system navigators. Navigation are those personalized services that an individual facing a diagnosis like cancer needs. They need help understanding side effects with their treatment. They also need help getting childcare for their children. The gamut of things that people face in addition to a diagnosis are the exact interventions that a navigator has been shown to make a difference on. What this administration has done with leadership from the First Lady is to ensure that navigation is paid for. So prior to essentially the work that we kicked off last year, there wasn't a strategy, a coherent strategy for reimbursing for this, these services. What we have done in the last year is to create six insurance codes that can now be used to report those services and get them paid for. These codes hit the market, so to speak, in on January 1st of this year. And I we are mounting a full court press to make sure that these services are practiced at scale and covered. So I think to your point about how will people feel the work of the Cancer Moonshot on a day-to-day -day basis, they will hopefully slowly but surely start to see navigators in the standard of care. That if they receive um, a diagnosis like cancer, they will have someone who shows up and says, I'm sure you have a lot of questions and I have time to answer those questions and walk you through the questions that aren't even related to your treatment. So this is a program, uh, The nav is it a navigator program? So, so again, for people who are dealing with a cancer diagnosis, when it comes time to access these services, how does that exactly work? We will see navigation roll out in different ways mm -hmm. across different care settings. And that's because without a way to pay for these services, they were often only being provided at very well-resourced centers mm -hmm. that had budget and overhead to hire this person without a way for paying for them. So to answer your question, it will look different depending on where you are receiving your care. But the hope is that someone is on staff who will, like I said, literally when you are at your care appointment, will be able to come up to you and follow up on the things that are top of mind for you. And then follow up when you aren't in the office, give you a call, check in on how those symptoms are going. All of these elements that that are very overwhelming, especially when coupled with a with a cancer diagnosis. You know, it's interesting though, even even if you were able to take advantage of these services, and, and obviously you're, you're not an insurance administrator, so you wouldn't yeah. know which insurance provides what uh, and when, but how do people even give credit to the federal government if they don't know how it's being paid for, who's paying for it? Or so it, I, I think what I'm asking, you get a, a, a diagnosis as devastating as cancer, and there's so many decisions that you have to make, and so many different things that you have to 
figure out. And certainly someone who can navigate that process for you would be amazing. But how do how do you make the connection between people needing this service and the federal government providing it? So the service is not going to be provided by the federal government. It is provided by the individuals, licensed clinical social workers, nurses, and community health workers who are trained to do this work, okay. who are in the best position to do this work. To your question about how do we get credit, credit isn't the most important <laughs> no, thing. No, I get that, but, but I'm I, saying. No, I appreciate right. through opportunities like what you're giving me right now to be on your program, right. like just to say the scholarship is clear that these navigation services will improve patient outcomes, decrease healthcare costs, and most importantly, address the structural factors that have left certain groups behind and have developed mistrust in the healthcare system. And this is part of what you're saying that the cancer moonshot will provide as part of the service and part of what you are working to make happen. What we did was to, to make a pathway for these services to be paid for so that you didn't have to look to an overhead budget that may or may not have existed at your facility to get this care to the patients that are coming to your clinic for care. What are the other obstacles to care for people who are uh, dealing with a cancer diagnosis or who have a family member dealing with a uh, cancer diagnosis? And what are the ways that you're working on making that easier for people to access? I think there are so many. Like I've said, a cancer diagnosis is so heavy. You pair that with the other daily stressors of someone's life, childcare, other unmet social determinants of health, and you you really have an overwhelming experience. I think on the point of social determinants of health, and just in case that's a term that's not familiar, we are talking about um, a myriad of factors from housing to transportation to education. Um, these things that we have to make sure we, we know where a person is so we can meet them where they are. Um, they are built into all five of those pillars. Addressing equity in those areas is the only way that we will achieve gains in those areas. But it looks different depending on each one. Um, I mentioned earlier that screening is one of the most important ways that that we can achieve better outcomes. And it's by catching cancer early um, and treating it and, and leading to hopefully better outcomes for individuals. Like I mentioned, part of our screening push is to make sure that screening access is equitably distributed. Um, there are many geographic factors. There are transportation issues, those social determinants of health that I just mentioned. Those stand in the way of equitable access to cancer screening, and it's something that we really need to work on. We know that medical racism is an issue as well. Is there something that the Cancer Moonshot is doing specifically to address the fact that there are people who feel because they're Black, because they're poor, because they come in with certain insurances, that they are not getting the care that someone uh, else might be getting? The short answer is yes, it is. We have that knowledge and that recognition. So it underlies everything that we do. I was fortunate enough to have been on the cancer moonshot when it launched under then Vice President Biden back in 2016. The reason I came back, in addition to it being the White House, I feel incredibly fortunate to be here. But the reason I came back is because our scope had really changed. And it had changed because of what this nation had learned as a consequence consequence of COVID. Um, and I worked for 10 weeks in the emergency room at the start of COVID in New York City. What COVID did for the country um, was to lay bare these realities that I don't think enough people were talking about. And COVID gave us the 
the the words for people that weren't close to these or didn't know about them for it to enter that normal parlance. You know, suddenly we're like, actually, it, when I went to nursing school, we had this expression that like when America coughs, the black community gets pneumonia. And what we mean by that is that there is there is such intersectionality at healthcare that we are doing. We are trying to right a lot of wrongs at the point of care. Um, that under that mentality is such a huge part of the work that we do on the cancer moonshot. Um, we we cannot be effective without acknowledging that and making sure that our solutions are fully formed to include that. To your goal of uh, innovation being accessible to more people, what are the things that you're doing there in order to make sure that that happens? Something that just springs to mind is the work that our FDA colleagues are doing around ensuring. Cl- higher diversity in clinical trial enrollment. Mm. Clinical trials are so important, both for the the individual who's on them. It could be life-changing. It could be life-saving. But also because it brings, it can bring innovation closer to a community. Now, we see our role as the cancer moonshot as needing to prepare the healthcare system for the types of innovation that things like clinical trials will unlock. But we want it to benefit these communities over and over and over again, not just around one single clinical trial. But I think that it is an important and necessary first step to acknowledge what the gaps in clinical trials have been, who they have left behind so that we can make sure that they are more fully integrated into clinical trials and into the breakthroughs that will happen because of them. Given the work that you're doing, is there any good news to share on cancer, whether it's research, whether it is data and information that you are compiling uh, in order to achieve those stated goals of reducing fatalities? I've said the navigation piece that stands out to me because of my personal experience and because I think it will truly improve gaps in the healthcare system. So I think that that one's a huge win. I will also just say that similar to my comment earlier about being able to talk about health disparities more candidly, the cancer moonshot, I have seen an evolution of people being willing to talk about cancer. I think that we are slowly but surely chipping away at some of the stigma that comes with it, recognizing that it touches so many so that we can create a safe place where people who come forward with their cancer diagnosis are supported. And I think that that is making the cancer moonshot a a presidential priority really, really does so much to make sure that folks feel comfortable talking about their cancer and their cancer experience so we can learn from from the collective whole. And how can we use the public access more information about the work that you're doing in the cancer moonshot? Appreciate that so much. Our website um, whitehouse.gov forward slash cancer moonshot. You will see three places there that I'm hoping any audience members listening will check out right away. You can share your ideas. You can share your stories. And we want to hear from you because we cannot achieve the goals of the cancer moonshot without anchoring our work to the lived experience. And that is one of the ways to get in touch with us directly. Wonderful. Annabella Asperas, Director of Patient Engagement for the Cancer Moonshot. Thank you so much for being on Reality Check with us today. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com.